7. We'll read verses 37 through 39. And we're also going to read the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Once again, I'm honored to be here with you all. And um, whenever I get an opportunity to be with you guys with this church, it's always a high honor. The last time we were here, th this building wasn't here. We were in the old building. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. What a beautiful building, beautiful prayer room. The offices are gorgeous. The restrooms are clean. The sanctuary is beautiful. It's just amazing. You can clap your hands for that. The restrooms are clean, praise God. <laughs> John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, not as others have said, not as what your neighbors have said, but as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So what's, what's Jesus talking about here? We'll find out in verse 39. But this spake he of the spirit. It's not another thing. It's of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. This spirit hadn't been poured out yet. Jesus still hadn't been crucified, and he still hasn't resurrected yet. So the spirit hasn't poured out yet. But there's coming a day. When is that day? We turn to Acts chapter 2. The same promise that was given. Now we see the disciples in the upper room, as we saw in the video earlier, the upper room. They were, the disciples were tearing. They were praying and fasting there. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 reads, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And here's where we see it being poured out. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How do we know? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They've been praying and fasting for all these days. And finally, after tearing in the upper room, finally Jesus poured out his spirit. He poured out his promise. He poured out the comforter, brother, like you said. He poured it out. And how do we know? For they all began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. What happened on the day of Pentecost is Jesus, for the first time, poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I want to talk today for a few, min for, for a few minutes on the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. If we could stand one more time and just raise our hands to Jesus, why don't we go ahead and pray for just another moment or two. Father, we love you and we thank you. We worship you, O oh God. We adore you. We magnify you, O oh God. Your presence is here right now. And God, where your spirit is, O oh God, anything can happen. I feel that there's deliverance in the room. I feel that strongholds are going to break this morning. I feel that your Holy Ghost is going to be poured out this morning. I 
I feel your power here. And so, God, I pray, whatever the need is today, I feel that there's need here. And so, God, you're the one that can meet the need. You're the one that can save and heal and deliver. And so one more time, we lift our hands, Jesus, and we say thank you. Thank you for all that you've been doing, all that you are and all that you're going to do. Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, church, and you may be seated. So I was not raised in church. And it's funny because when I tell a lot of people that, they're like, wow, I wouldn't tell. You look like you've been in this thing your whole entire life. As a matter of fact, I haven't. Uh, I was raised in a church, but it was a church that did not preach truth. And even though I was showing up Sunday after Sunday, and I'm a drummer, I was playing drums Sunday after Sunday. Saturday night, I was going to parties, going to clubs, playing at concerts, doing drugs, all that stuff. And I'd show up to church Sunday morning. I was living one way, and then I was living a different way when I came to the house of God. When I would step into the church... I wouldn't even think twice about it. Not a big deal. I'm just going to play drums. I'm going to leave and get high again. And at the age of 18, I began to feel depression hit me. I began to get these almost not quite suicidal thoughts, but such depressing thoughts were clouding my mind. See, at 15 years old, I was arrested for the first time. At 19 years old, I was arrested even a second time. And what happened is I was walking down this life. I was walking down this path and I was walking away from God. I knew from a very young age that God had a purpose for my life. But instead of me pursuing his presence and pursuing a place of prayer and pursuing the call of God that was on my life, I was pursuing the world where music became my religion and trying to impress people was what I was trying to do. I was living a lie. I was living a life that was unpleasing to God. And what I was doing is I was opening up my spirit for torment and deception. And I was feeling depressed day after day. And I would wake up in the morning and and I would feel like I got to get high again. And then later on that night, I would cry and say, God, there's got to be more to life than this. I would wake up in the morning and say, where's my next fix coming from? And I would go to bed at night saying, God, I am depressed and I can't do this much longer. Has anybody felt like that in their life? God, I've been going down this path way too long and I can't go on much longer. And I remember... Finally, my heart began to change a little bit, and my actions began to change. And I remember I went up to my pastor at the church I used to go to as a kid. I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about getting baptized. Uh, can we talk about it? And his response was, well, you've already been baptized, right? Well, yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I kind of, I, I, there's, I'm missing something. I need to talk about it. And he was like, well, I don't think it's necessary, but okay, if you want. Okay. Now, this is a church that didn't preach truth. They weren't baptizing in Jesus' name. And this pastor thought that great man, he's a tremendous man, but he wasn't feeling my need. He wasn't seeing what my desire was. Sunday after Sunday, I would come into church and he would preach a sermon, preach a good word. It was, it was great and all, but it wasn't meeting my need. I needed more than a great sermon. I needed more than a handshake from the pastor. I needed the Holy Ghost. 
I needed the Holy Ghost in my life. I needed the Spirit of God in my life. And so what happened is I feel like at that moment, the Lord was listening to my cry. He was listening to my petition, to my prayers even. Because just a couple days later, I'd be walking through my campus at school throughout the music department. And I met someone who invited me to their church that Friday night. And I'll go the Friday night. And I got to be honest, I went to service high. I, was, I went high on drugs. I'll even be more honest or more vulnerable. It was a girl that invited me. It was a girl that invited me to church. I didn't go because I wanted to go. I, had, I was like, I got my own church, whatever, you know, but I wanted to impress her. Let's be real here, you know, it's Sunday morning. We could be a little real, right? <laughs> and so I go to the Spanish church. I don't speak Spanish. I go to the Spanish church and I'm sitting all the way in the back. Now, it's not like this in this sanctuary. You know, the back goes pretty far. It's a much more narrow building, but it goes back a lot more. So I'm sitting all the way in the back. I'm a little bit past where the brother in the sound booth is. I'm a little past there, right? And I just kind of sit down. Just kind of doing my own thing, right? Just happy to be here and happy to leave, right? And so service is going on, singing the songs in Spanish. I recognized a couple of the songs, but didn't know what they were saying. The girl who invited me comes and sits next to me for the service. I didn't understand one thing she was saying. Um, like I said, I was high, you know. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't understand the thing that was going on. My mind was all warped. I was lost. I wasn't understanding preaching or any of that stuff. But when the altar call came, she said, would you like to go to the altar? Well, in my church, you go to the altar for a special need, maybe, or, you know, you don't really just go to the altar. It wasn't the culture of the church I grew up in. And so I was like, well, if it gets me out of here quicker and impresses you, sure, why not? Let's do it. So I remember I'm marching down the center aisle and I, funny enough, I'm the only one that's coming to the altar, right? I'm in a church that that's part of the culture, but I'm the only one coming to the altar. There's going to be an altar call. Let's all come to the altar at the end, right? That, 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 was, a, that was a little plug there. And so I'm walking forward and I do the kind of the shameful kneel. I'm like looking to my right sea of people. Looking to my left, sea of people. I look right next to me. She's there, so I might as well. I got to do this. I committed. I got to do this, right? So then I did that thing that a lot of people do the first time they come to church, right? They're kind of nervous, and they do that little, that little awkward kneel, like, okay, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. And I began to pray. And I'm just kind of doing my thing, like, okay, God, while I'm here, let's go ahead. She's praying for me, and then she's like, well, I, you know, I can't pray for this guy alone here, so let me find someone else. And I'll never forget, a minister from the church came over and prayed for me. And I'm kneeling down, and for the first time ever, I heard someone pray over me in a language that I didn't understand. And I'm not talking about Spanish. I don't quite understand Spanish. But it wasn't that. It was a language I've never heard before. It wasn't Portuguese, it wasn't Spanish, it wasn't Creole, and I heard someone praying over me in the Holy Ghost for the first time, and at that moment, while I'm kneeling down at an altar, tears begin to stream down my face. This drug-addicted boy is now feeling the presence of God for the first time ever, and at that moment, Jesus was touching me. He was touching my spirit. He was touching my heart. He was touching my mind, and I come to tell someone today, if you need a touch from Jesus, Jesus is here today. 
If you need a touch from God, God is here today. I don't know what you've been struggling with. I don't know what you've been fighting, whether it's a battle in your mind or an addiction or whatever it is. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here today. I come to prophesy to someone and tell you that your deliverance is here today. Your restoration is here today. Your miracle is here today. And ever since then, I've been living a life of victory. I've had some mess-ups. I've had some bumps and bruises in the road. No, I'm not perfect, but I've been blessed to see many people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost ever since that moment. I've had the blessing of preaching overseas and seeing people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, seeing miracles, signs, and wonders, all because of one encounter at an altar. All because of one encounter at an altar it's one encounter at an altar that can bring restoration to your spirit it's one encounter at an altar that can pour water into your dry soul and you feel alive for the first time ever it's one encounter in the altar in which God can fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence and speaking in other tongues it's one encounter at an altar that can save your family can save your loved ones, can bring revival to your jobs. One encounter at an altar. No matter what you've been through, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are now an overcomer. Because the book of Revelation reads, we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And there's many people here today that have a testimony from God. There's many people here today that have had a touch with Jesus, that have had an encounter with God. Praise God. But not only can the baptism of the Holy Ghost deliver you from addiction and from bondage, but it can set you free from your past. We look in John chapter 4. We see the woman at the well. This is a woman who had been discouraged her whole entire life. Uh, she had gone through many failures. As a matter of fact, Jesus called it out. He said, bring your husband. And she goes, uh, he's not, you know, I'm not married. He goes, I know. <laughs> well, if you know, why are you saying this? He goes, I'm making a point, right? I know that's not your husband that you live with. And I know you've been married five times. Ooh. We call that being exposed, right? There's words for that in today's, you know, vernacular. But Jesus is looking at this woman and says, why don't you go ahead and fetch me some water? She goes, I'm, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I can, we can't, that doesn't work. I can't get you water. That's unlawful. That's, that's forbidden. He goes, you don't even understand what I'm asking you. Because if you only knew the gift of God, you'd be asking me to bring you water. If you knew the gift that I had, you would be asking me to help you because you need help in your life. You've got people who are looking down at you. As a matter of fact, the woman at the well, she would go at a certain time of day because she knew that there'd be no one else around. She knew that there was a certain time of the day when everyone would crowd around the well to draw water for their families or for whatever their needs were. And she says, I can't go with all of them because I'm ashamed. Because my past is too horrible. 
My past is too hurtful. They're gonna, I'm going to feel exposed. I don't want them talking about my past. I don't want them talking about what I've been through. I don't want them talking about the abuse I went through. I don't want them talking about all the struggles and fighting that I had to go through growing up. I don't want them talking about my broken family and my broken situation. I don't want them talking about my homelessness and my, and my, and my stress. I don't want them talking about it, so I've got to go when no one else is there. And no one else knew that she was there but Jesus. And Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, of course, anything can happen. And that's when Jesus says, if you only knew the gift of God, you would be asking me for something to drink because this water that I have for you, you'll never thirst again. This water that I have to give you, you'll never desire another drink again because the water that I have, it's like a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's like a gift that keeps on giving. It's like a miracle that keeps on producing. It's like a tree that keeps on birthing fruit. It's like something that keeps on happening. Happening, all because of one encounter. There's a gift here today. There's a gift here in the service today. And if you've never received the gift, today is your day when you could receive this gift. Today is your day when you can receive the gift that God has for you and the dryness and the dry spell that you've been feeling inside of you no longer will be dry because there's going to be a well of water. There's going to be a spring of water that goes inside of you. If thou only knew the gift of God. Has anyone experienced the gift of God? Has anybody ever experienced this gift? Has anyone ever had an encounter with the Holy Ghost in which you felt the fire of God come upon you? You felt that well of water springing up into everlasting life. If thou only knew the gift of God. And so this Holy Ghost, not only does it set us free from bondage, not only does it set us free from our past, but this Holy Ghost releases us to walk into our future. The Spirit of God, when you receive it, it releases you. It breaks those barriers that are holding you back from walking into the fullness of your calling, from walking into what God has called you to do, from walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Just this February, I had the honor and privilege of being in the nation of Brazil. Every year they have something like what we have in, in America, we have Mardi Gras, right? It's one of those things. They have what's called carnival. And so what the church over there does, they say, well, we don't want anything to do with that. That stuff is nasty. We want nothing to do with that. We're going to host a youth conference instead. And so they had me, some American guy that they don't know, coming out, right? They don't know me. I got no business being there. I don't speak their language. But God opened the door. And so I went there with a brother from our church who speaks Portuguese, so he was interpreting for me. And we go there, and it was in the middle of this huge rainstorm. It was just like rain upon rain. I mean, houses were literally sliding down the street. It was horrible. It was complete and utter devastation. And so the pastor who's hosting the event comes and picks us up at our hotel, which is not like an American hotel. I mean, there was no hot water. It was, you know, it was... My pastor, he always says, there's five, five words to remember when you go on the mission field. You are not in America. <laughs> we were not in America. <laughs> Thankfully, there was an AC unit there. Didn't work well, but it was better than, you know, 95 degrees, 1,000% humidity. Although we're in Florida, so we kind of know what that is, right? 
So the pastor comes and picks us up. And he says, so I got good news and bad news. I'm thinking, all right, well, I feel like starting off with faith. So what's the good news? I should have done it the other way around, right? What's the good news? Good news is everyone's there. Okay, well, I was hoping that would just be regular news. Not the good news, but regular news. Okay, so what's the bad news? The bad news is there's no power. Um, how many people are there again? About 700. Um, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist here. How do you preach to 700 people without a microphone? <laughs> how does that work? He says, well, let's just go have church. All right, let's just go have church. Praise God. I'm here anyway. All right, let's go. Amen. So we're in the car, and he looks back, and he says, so how you feeling? My words do not reflect my spirit. My word said, oh, I feel faith. My spirit says, get me out of here. <laughs> and so we go into the place. He parks literally right in front of the amphitheater. It's like a, almost like an outdoor gymnasium type deal with a canopy. Right outside, he parks right up to the entranceway. Everyone, you know, he puts his headlights on, so there's kind of some light going in the place. And everyone looks back at us. Oh, it's the guy. It's the guy. It's the preacher. Oh, no. I don't got a microphone. I don't know how about that preaching thing is going to happen. And so we walk in. And what I heard was beautiful. Now, remember, there's no electricity, right? There's no microphones. There's no keyboard. There's no amplification for the drums. There's no guitar. All I hear is a drummer playing acoustic with no mics, everything, just going at it. And literally, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I saw 700 kids just dancing around, just worshiping God, jumping up and down, shouting praises unto God, leaping for joy, rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. And at the car, in the car, I didn't feel faith. But at that moment, I was like, oh, that's right. I feel faith right now. I feel something right now. I'm feeling the presence of the Lord right now. There's something powerful about praise. There's something powerful about worshiping the Lord. When we're starting off the church with a song service, that's not just a formality. That's not just something that we do because, but that's a moment where we can literally raise our hands unto Jesus and we can break open the spirit world and we can shout unto God with a voice of triumph and we can see the power of God fall like never before. That's it. Why don't we shout out to God right now with a voice of triumph? Why don't we raise our voices unto the Lord right now with a shout of praise? Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. 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 There's miracles that flow when praise enters into the room. Deliverance flows when praises enter into the room. When you lift your hands unto the Lord, shackles begin to break. When you shout unto God with the voice of triumph, bondages are beginning to loose off of you. It 
was like Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. At the time of the evening sacrifice, he prayed unto God and brought the sacrifice. And God consumed the sacrifice by fire. I'm feeling the fire of God here this morning because sacrifices of praise have been sent up. Because hands have been lifted up. Because your mouths have been opened up and you filled your hearts with the praises of God. You filled your lips with the praises of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's keep that vein right there, but I want to say something. When we were in Brazil, and we saw all the young people dancing and shouting for joy, and then they said, the preacher, come forward. Well, here we go. Here goes nothing, right? And it was like the gift of wisdom just came upon the pastor that went with me. He said, everyone sit around the preacher. And 700 people, and it's just like everyone's like it's like we're in kindergarten all of a sudden. Like everyone's just sitting down with their legs crossed and their hands folded, you know. And I went up with no microphone, not even speaking Portuguese, and all I said, with all the volume that I could project, is Jesus is in this place. And after I said that, they responded and shouted for God for a good five minutes. They were not waiting for a sermon. They just wanted another encounter to worship God because they, in fact, knew that Jesus was in that place. They knew that Jesus was in that place. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And those young people had a taste, and they've seen the goodness and mercies of God. And I've come to tell someone today that you can taste it you can see that Jesus is here right now. By the end of that service, somehow, some way, we were able to preach to those young people. And we did an altar call. We, we prayed the prayer of faith. No microphone and no lights. The power of God was there. And we did an altar call for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And at that moment in that altar, five young people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time with the evidence in speaking in other tongues. There were people that were delivered from bondage there that evening. There was a young couple, two young girls probably 15, 16 years old, that were holding hands. Obviously, they were together. And in that altar call, we saw it. And we said, do you need the Holy Ghost? And they said, yeah. So by the authority of the Word of God, and by the power of the name Jesus, I command you both to receive the Holy Ghost. And they both received the Holy Ghost right there for the first time. And they let go of each other's hands and walked on their separate ways. They came to the service together, but they left the service no longer together. Uh, they left the service delivered. Can I, be, can, I be, uh, can I be specific? They came to the service with the spirit of homosexuality. And they left the service delivered by the hand of God. Delivered by the presence of God.
I don't know what you've been fighting in your life. I don't know what addictions or struggles you have. But Jesus is here today. Jesus is here today. Acts 1 and 8 reads, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. After you receive the Holy Ghost, you get the power to walk into the miraculous. Yes, sister, you get the power to walk in victory. You get the power to walk in freedom. You get the power to walk in the calling of God that's for you. You get the power of God to walk in the will of the Lord. By no means am I bragging on myself, but after I received the Holy Ghost, I've had this desire to see God move. I wanted to see miracles and signs and wonders. And I would pray, God, let me see the miraculous. God, let me see a move of God. I would fast for it. Went on crazy fasts. Because I wanted to see God move. And I remember the first time I saw a notable miracle. Before my wife and I got married, we were at different churches. Her pastor was just about 10 minutes away from our church another apostolic church, and there was an altar call there. And the preacher there said, if there's anyone that needs a miracle, come forward, we're going to do a prayer line. And I'll never forget it. The preacher looked at me, he goes, you, get to the altar, you're praying for people. This guy don't know me. (laughs) He said, you're praying for people. And I remember this, this lady that walked forward that I end up standing in front of. I asked her what her need was, and she said, I have a tumor that needs to be removed. I didn't notice it at that moment, but yeah, there was a tumor there. There was a notable tumor. You did not need an x-ray to see it. And so the preacher did the prayer of faith, declared, you know, by the authority of the word of God, because we stand upon the authority of God's word, and by the power of the name of Jesus, I command you all to receive your miracle. And at that moment, I laid my hands on her head, and I said, receive your miracle in Jesus' name. And I hate myself for this because I closed my eyes. Closed my eyes. I'm praying, Jesus' name, tumor be gone. And I opened it up and it's gone. We don't have to shout for that. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But God did it. God did it. It wasn't me, it wasn't my power. I'm just Bo. I'm just Brother Bo. That's all I am. But God did the work. And at that moment, she, was, she received her miracle. And I come to tell someone today, if you need a miracle in your body, that same power that was there at that moment is here today. The same Jesus that was there back then, 10 years ago, is here today. And today in this altar call, if there's a miracle that you need in your body, Jesus can deliver you. I'll never forget going to Puerto Rico and I was there on a missions trip with my pastor and, we're, and I got to speak on a basketball court. I tend to always get these outdoor things, you know. I'm speaking on this basketball court 
and I'm preaching on taste and see that the Lord is good. And then I did a call for the Holy Ghost, and this man comes forward. He's got a walker, and, he's, and, and, and I'm like, all right, well, let's go pray for him. You know, he came forward. I did the call for the Holy Ghost and all that, you know. So I said, is there anything I can pray for? Now, he walked forward when I made a call for those who received the Holy Ghost. But he walks forward, and I said, is there anything I can pray for? He goes, I don't want to need this walker anymore. I can't walk without it. And I said, well, in Jesus' name, God's going to set you free, and God's going to heal you. So in Jesus' name, I laid my hands on him. And instantly this man, I'll never forget it, he jumped up, he took the walker, threw it aside, and began to jump up and down for Jesus as Jesus did the miracle. But not only that, at that exact moment, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence and speaking in other tongues. That same power is here today. And whatever you need, God is here to do the work. If we could all stand, I feel this is a good time for us to stand. Praise God. There's tons of scriptures throughout the book of Acts that talk about the Holy Ghost. We look at Acts chapter 10. There's a man named Cornelius who ends up coming in contact with Peter, and Peter prays for this man. Cornelius was a great man, the Bible said, who gave alms and who'd always gave sacrifices. He was, he, he was faithful in everything that he knew, but he did not have everything. And so this man, Cornelius, meets Peter, and Peter lays his hands on Cornelius. And the Bible says that Cornelius receives the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues. Acts chapter 19, we see Paul running into the disciples of John, goes up to these disciples and, and says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they say, we haven't heard about a Holy Ghost. What is this Holy Ghost you're talking about? Paul responds with, well, how are you baptized? They responded with, well, we were baptized unto John's repentance. We're disciples of John. So Paul says, well, that's great. But Paul baptized unto the baptism of repentance, calling on the one who was to come afterwards. And the Bible says that Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. If anyone needs the Holy Ghost, this altar is open. Does anyone need the Holy Ghost? If you need the Holy Ghost, come forward to this altar. We're going to pray for you. We believe that God's going to fill you. Thank you, sister. Is there anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel faith here today. John chapter 3. It's a very, very interesting portion of Scripture. I was actually just reading this yesterday, and I was like, no way. I was telling my wife about it. John chapter 3, we look at verses 3 and 5 through 8. I'll read them very quick. This might give a little bit of revelation to us. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, talking about Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. We all got that. That makes sense, right? Verse 8, though. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. 
Keep that, keep that scripture, verse 8 up. Keep that up. You see where it says sound? The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound. When you look in the Greek, which is the language what the, the New Testament was written in, when you look in the Greek, that word sound is the Greek word phone. That means nothing, right? We don't know Greek, and that's fine, not a big deal. But what does phone mean in English? What's the most accurate translation? Voice. Tongue. If you look at the Strong's Concordance, what it's really saying here is the wind bloweth, the wind referring to the Holy Ghost, bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the tongue thereof. There's a voice to this Holy Ghost. There's a language, there's a tongue to this Holy Ghost. It's not just a great feeling that you get. It's not just feeling good about yourself. It's not just, a, oh, I have peace and comfort. No, there's a voice to this. There's an evidence to this thing. There is a sound. And Isaiah, we'll read this last verse. If we could all come forward to the altar, we're all going to pray with our sister right here. We all believe she's going to receive the Holy Ghost. Isaiah chapter 28. Verses 11 and 12. Chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. The Bible reads this. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Verse 12 now. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing. This is the rest. With stammering lips and an unknown tongue, sister. That's the rest. That is the rest. We know the book of John. Jesus is talking, I believe, John 14. Where Jesus is telling the disciples, I will send unto you a comforter in my name. I will send unto you a comforter. The Father will send to you this comforter. That's the rest. And so, sister, is it just you that needs to receive the Holy Ghost, or is it both of you? It's just, okay, just the sister right here. Praise God. How do we receive the Holy Ghost? Bible says in Acts 2.38, Peter said unto them, repent. That's the first thing. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, it always starts with repentance. It starts with repenting. God, forgive me of all of my sins. I don't care if you repented this morning, right? Uh, we need to repent constantly. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. And so we're gonna pray a prayer of repentance, which is what we're doing is we're asking God, I'm turning away. We're telling God, I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from my wicked ways. I'm walking away from sin, and I want what you have called for me in my life. If we could do that right now, why don't we just pray a prayer of repentance? God, I repent of the sins of my eyes, the sins of my hands, the sins of my feet, the sins of my mind. Every sin that I've committed, I repent, Lord. Every sin, oh God, I repent. Sins of presumption, sins of commission, sins of omission.